Uh, we don't have to if you don't want to. No, I don't care. I just wanted to make sure to be presentable. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Right, awesome. Better than I do. I get my hoodie on. And... <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to Woodward Tigers special here, special bonus episode as we feature the great Joe Doyle from Prospects Live. He's director of the MLB Draft, does all behind-the-scenes stuff, and this time of year is especially busy for him. So, Joe, we take we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the draft. And before we do, Chris, do you want to ask our first-time guests the question we always ask our first-time oh, guests? Uh, yeah, I didn't realize, yeah, first-time guests. Um, yeah, what, what's your earliest baseball memory? <laughs> My earliest, I, I don't know how many people are going to resonate with this player, but uh, in, I think it was 1994, I was four years old. I think it was 1994. Uh, me and my family went down to uh, Sunrise, Arizona, stayed and did the whole spring training thing. And I got uh, Butch Henry's autograph. And I, uh, I remember I was yelling, Butch, 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 give me your autograph. And I was yelling and yelling. And he said, uh, Joe. Or he said, you know, kid, uh, take, you know, be patient, wait your turn. Everything's going to be okay. And uh, my dad still lives it up to this day. He's like, you learned a valuable life lesson from Butch Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Former Red Sox, right? He bounced around Mets, yeah. Mariners. I mean, he's, yeah, he's around. Nice. So, Chris, uh, you want to go ahead and uh, start things off here? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, as Roger's saying, you, you guys uh, over at Prospects Live do tons of awesome content. Uh, but lots and lots of draft content too. I feel like every time I go over there, there's a new article, and it always has your name on it. So I don't know where you get the time to do that. But, I don't um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we got the draft coming up in in like two hours. Also, to rumor swirl, and I was talking to you before, and we have a question later uh, that we get to more specifically. But I guess uh, you know, Tigers pick at twelve. So to get there, we might want to start at the top, like kind of figure out, you know, what the the, the first four or five picks of the draft are going to look like. Uh, at least uh, what you've been hearing so far. Yeah, so I, at the top, more and more and more, I am hearing that um, Baltimore is looking for a haircut. They're looking to get a little bit creative with their money. So I would say that the odds of it being Drew Jones are, you know, if you were to do a percentage a week ago, I would have said 60%, 70%. Now I think it's probably down to 20 or 25% unless he moves. Uh, hearing a lot of Tamar Johnson, hearing a lot of Brooks Lee. Uh, Cam Collier is kind of a dark horse sleeper at, at number one. Um, and I tell you what, guys, if, if Drew Jones does not go number one, and more importantly, if Drew Jones doesn't go number two, I have no idea what's going to happen in this draft. It is going to spiral out of control. Yeah. Especially because with the college arms being having injuries, what have you, that kind of plays a part where uh, in terms of where we might see a pitcher draft in the first round, even with the injuries, with, for example, the left-hander out of uh, Alabama, Connor for a guy like that he's been projected to go to detroit and or anywhere from detroit to down to i think the 20th 21st pick but with the college arms being with a a special case this year does that mean is that why hitters are going to go so fast because of that yeah i think in general you know one thing that us as prognosticators of, of the draft do is, is we rank guys based on ceiling, but when the draft actually rolls around models and big league organizations really like peace of mind, they like um, floor, if you will. So I think, you know, healthy pitchers will probably do quite well this year. And I also think college bats that have just proven it, all those college outfielders that have proven it over the last 12 months, they're going to go a lot higher than people think. 
uh, some of the high school arms, you know, some of the high school bats, some of these, uh, you know, more um, enigmatic players, I guess, if you want to call them that uh, in the later rounds, they might slip a little bit. But in terms of Detroit, like I continue to hear Gavin Cross, I continue to hear uh, a college outfielder and, and Jace Young. I have not yet come across the Connor Prelip rumor in terms of speaking with industry sources. So until I hear otherwise, I still think it's going to be a bat. Thank God. I, I just say that because he's coming off Tommy John. And I think that I think Tiger fans, I, I know it's for a fact. And you, you witnessed it firsthand. You're like, Whoa, wait, I'm just, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. Tiger fans kind of react when you did the original mock or one of your mock drafts. And so uh, look, and as far as, Bats go. Uh, I did a write up on Gavin Cross today out of Virginia Tech, and that's a left-handed bat that can play the corner outfield. He has played some center, and in terms of his improvement, his white walks to strikeout ratio from last year to this year has been quite astonishing. And his work with the collegiate for, for the U.S. Na- uh, baseball or U.S. national baseball team or collegiate team, where as far as he goes, he can go anywhere too. Some somewhere from the fifth picked all the way down to the 20th. Yeah, I think he's the perfect example. Uh, I, I think, and this is as of like three days ago, that Gavin Cross is number one on Detroit's board. That's what I've kind of uh, been alluded to. That's what folks have suggested to me. Um, I I think he's the type of player that goes well before the, the Tigers pick. And, and the reason I say that is because he's proven. You know, he doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. He can really run. His tools are a lot louder than his uh, season performance would probably suggest. Like just because the guy hit, I don't even remember what it is, like 12 or 13 homers. I think most people think he's got more raw power than that. He can really run. He can really throw. He's got a great throwing arm. Um, so when you stack Gavin Cross up with some of these other college outfielders, really you have a hard time finding any other college outfielder that checks more boxes than he does. And he, you know, you can play him in center in a pinch. You can definitely play him in right field. You look at a guy like Jace Young, who people like to, you know, put him right there. Uh, Jace Young has a little bit more question marks surrounding the defensive position and uh, the athlete as a whole. So that's why I kind of think Gavin Cross is is set to come off the board in the top eight picks, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing is just kind of interesting. Like, you know, when you mentioned – the scenario where, where Drew Jones doesn't go in the top two picks. I'd never even considered that. I just figured if he doesn't yeah. go one, he's going to go two. But if he doesn't, then they have, there's, there's who knows what kind of chaos that might ensue uh, because, you know, money gets involved there uh, pretty quickly. But, and, and we always know, like, that's just kind of where the Tigers are picking. It really depends on what kind of strange things happen in front of them. Like last year, I don't think up until, I don't know what, 10 minutes before it happened, I don't think anybody had Frank Mazzucato going to the Royals. Or maybe you know, going to the Oriole, uh, yeah, the, the, Pirates. the Pirates, yeah. So, and those sorts of things can really, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the ramifications of that keep going. So, I'm, I'm curious, uh, this is just a shot in the dark. Is there somebody who you think might sneak up there in the top 10 that people aren't expecting? Yeah, so we're putting out our last mock draft tomorrow, and the guy that I think, and I mocked him to the Tigers before, uh, I think Oklahoma righty Kate Horton is, is going to sneak up, and I think he'd actually be gone. Uh, before the 12th pick. So that's a guy that, you know, nobody has in mock drafts right now. That's a guy that nobody really has in the top 15 of power rankings right now. You throw that wrench, you throw that firecracker into a, into an actual draft and it just sets things apart. I mean, I, uh, I was, you know, tweeting with the Cespedes family barbecue boys today, you know, they, they 
mocked out last year. They said, who, who's the best at doing these mock drafts? Jim Callis was number one with six. And Prospects Live and uh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was maybe Fangraphs or someone else had five. But like that just kind of speaks to it, right? Like the 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 best best sourced person in the entire world in this thing got fifteen percent right, eighteen percent right. So all it takes is one little bombshell, and the whole thing goes up in flames. And so on the flip side of that, uh, you know, Tigers fans are kind of happy. I think they should be happy that Ty Madden ended up falling all the way to thirty-two to them. I, I mean, the rumors before the draft were that like, hey, he's slipping a little bit. People don't like his fastball. I don't know if anybody saw him falling that far, but uh, usually there is a, a guy or two who fell. I think, uh, you know, uh, Khalil Watson fell, McLean fell a little bit, I think. So but is there anybody that you think uh, could be in for a bit of a tumble? There? Uh, just, I, I don't know this for sure. Reading the tea leaves, I, I kind of think Blade Tidwell is going to have a similar kind of fall as Ty Madden did. I, I could see him being available, you know, after pick 35, after pick 40. Um, I think the real one that everyone's looking at is Kamar Rocker. Like, is Kamar Rocker going to go in the top 10? Is Kamar Rocker going to go after pick 40? Nobody really knows. I, I don't think the Boston rumors are very substantiated. Um, they obviously loved him last year, but a shoulder surgery changes things immensely for everybody involved. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, like Blade Tidwell would certainly be a guy that I had circled as, as potentially falling a bit, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. There's one guy that keeps coming up in – higher and higher boards and that's Zach and Nito who has been, he goes to a smaller school, Campbell, home of the fighting Campbell's apparently, or camels apparently. But uh, as far as the competition level is concerned, is that really going to play a factor in where he's going to be going in this draft? Cause I, I personally, if he fell to the 12 at the Tigers, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah. So Zach Neto was one of, if not the best hitter on the Cape last summer against the best competition in the country with a wooden bat. So, uh, and, and the kind of the same can be said about Chase DeLauder. Like, yeah, he's playing at James Madison, but he crushed it on the Cape and Zach Neto crushed it on the Cape. So I don't think Campbell is going to have anything to do with uh, where he ends up. I think if he were to post the line that he did in the SEC, he's a top five pick, no questions asked game over. You know, he might go one, one, um, but since he did it where he did, I mean, he, he might fall into the top 15, but yeah, there's a chance that he could be there for Detroit. And, and if I want to run back to Kate Horton real quick, cause it's a really cool story. And I was playing this out in my head earlier today because of all these, these kind of prelip rumors. And I was like, why would you go prelip over Kate Horton? Horton actually has more innings in college. He performed at the highest level, uh, just blew people away. He also has a TJ, but he's back already. And it's the same kind of like his fastball, I think, is is uh, at least certainly harder than prelips and the fighter. they got similar breaking balls. Like, well, why, what about prelips would make people take him over Horton other than the, the thought two years ago that, like, hey, this guy could be 1-1 in two years? Yeah, I think it's kind of like what's your favorite ice cream at Baskin-Robbins? Like, prelip is a lefty, you know, yeah. and uh, he, he throws a really heavy fastball and he's got a good slider. Uh, and those are, you know – a lefty throw in 97 with a long body is pretty tough to find. You can find power righties a little bit easier. Um, I would take Horton over prelip. I mean, on our power rankings, uh, I've got Horton 10 full spots above prelip. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think handedness is really that big of an issue, especially in the modern game with how good stuff has become. And I don't think you could find a person on earth that would take prelip stuff over Kate Horton's stuff. 
So another guy that comes to mind too that got some really good strong comps to Hunter Green, Mackenzie Gore is Dylan Lesko out of uh, Buford High School. Talk about what makes him so special as a, a guy who could potentially in that fall in the Tigers range as well. Yeah, Lesko is really interesting because it's not often that you find a guy who's been the guy, the top player, the top performer, the most projectable since he was 12, and he's like all the way to the time that he's drafted still that guy. It's really unfortunate that he went down with an injury because I think we'd be talking about him in the top five picks, top six picks, had he not gotten hurt. Um, Listen, Dylan Lesko can rush it up to 99. Uh, It's got a good metrically appealing fastball with a lot of spin. He throws a curveball, which he can command and has great shape. He throws a slider, which he can command and has great shape. And he's got a 70-grade Dylan Bundy changeup that can get a ton of whiffs. So um, Dylan Lesko just checks every box outside of he's a high school righty that just went down with Tommy John. So um, we have him slightly below Brock Porter because of the injury risk and because of Porter's size. But, I mean... Anybody that ends up drafting Dylan Lesko is potentially drafting an ace outside of the top 10 picks, which is just really tough to do. I mean, and that's been kind of the hallmark of this whole draft class. Uh, it's, yeah. It's all the injured pitchers. Uh, and, and so many of them had potential to go top 20 first round. And it feels like, you know, the Tigers pick at 51 again. So it's so hard to project out there, but it feels like at least one or two of those guys is still going to be around. And it seems like a great bargain by, to me, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe all the teams will think that and, and they'll all go off the board in the 30s. No, maybe I, think will be there. I think you're dead on. And I think Detroit's long history of taking big conference starting pitchers with their second and third round picks uh, is going to come to fruition again this year. I, I mean, outside of them drafting a college pitcher with their first pick, which I don't expect them to do, I would expect that to be their second pick, no doubt. No, I, I, no go ahead, Rush. No, go ahead. You're good. Oh, I was just going to say, I was, I was perusing the, the prospects live. Was it top 600 right now? Top 600. And the, the only thing, and this is, you know, everybody's list is different, but but I saw a couple names that were a little bit lower than you see on like Pipeline or, or BA, and, and they were, uh, you know, um, Jet Williams and uh, was it Chase Young. I've forgotten that. For, screwed up his first name. The kid from Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, Cole Young. Cole Young. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so here's, yeah. So here's the thing on those two guys. Um, we saw Cole Young three times this summer. We had a guy go out and, and watch him capture film. And uh, we had guys at all the showcases uh, watch him play. And um, at the end of the day, I, I like Cole Young as a player. Uh, I like Cole Young as a uh, hitter second baseman, uh, as a Cody Clemens, uh, if, if, uh, if we're talking about, you know, uh, Tigers players. Uh, so I, I don't think there's enough impact in the bat for him to ultimately uh, be valued as a first round guy doesn't mean I don't like him. It just means I think there are better plays early in the early in the draft. Uh, and, in, and in terms of Jet Williams, uh, like Jet Williams uh, quite a bit, actually. I, I love the type of player that he is. He's a really, uh, you know, gritty firecracker, top of the lineup, spark plug. He can do a little bit of everything. I, I comp him to Kike Hernandez. You know, he can play center field, shortstop, second base. He can play anywhere. Um, some things came out uh, about his performance at the combine that pushed him down our board a little bit. But... Um, I still, still love the player and everything he provides on the field. Interesting. Another a lefty too that was a the Tigers have some familiarity with the East Carolina. They've been drafting quite a bit in the Carolina between Coastal and East Carolina and North Carolina. Is Carson Wisenhunt, the lefty who got uh, unfortunately got in trouble suspended this year? 
But is that a guy who could be around around pick 51? I think so. I I think the interest in Carson Wisenhunt in the first round is a little bit overblown. He's been pretty I mean, I'll be frank. He's he's been pretty underwhelming on the Cape up to 93, 94, uh, but not commanding the the fastball, not commanding his pitches. But what would you expect? I mean, he's going to be a guy that's pretty rusty. He didn't pitch all year. Right. Um, so if you can look past that, if you can look past the actual performance on the Cape, there's a chance he goes in the first round. But I, I tend to think he slots in kind of in that, uh, you know, 40 to 50 range in the in the. Carmen Majinski, uh, like Jared Schuster type ranking area that that those guys had in the past. So, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that he's there later in the draft, but he's certainly got some work to do, some development ahead of him. Now you, you cover all this, you know, objectively, and it's all it's, it's great. But uh, you're also still maintain a kind of a fandom of the of the Mariners, at least a, a rooting interest, if you will. It's the same way we do with the Tigers. I'm kind of curious, uh, who, who's your ideal pick for the Mariners? That's a good, you know, um, I, it's Zach Neto for what it's worth. If Neto gets to 21, but I don't see that happening. I, it's weird. You know, I started covering the draft like five or six years ago. And um, some years I just don't have a rooting interest. Some years I just kind of want to see how the draft rolls out. And I'm, I'm really more interested in the process. I want to know, you know, do they go full slot in the first and then over slot in the second or under slot in the first and way over slot in the second. I, that's the part of the draft that really brought me in the money and how it's moved and how it's strategic and tactile. So, I mean, to answer your question, I would like to see Zach Neto fall to Seattle. I think he's a great kid. I think he's a great talent. Um, but other than that, man, I really don't, I really don't have a rooting interest as, as strange as that sounds. I think after you do this for so long, Joe, you just kind of just, after a while, you kind of almost give up your fandom. Like, for example, you just appreciate the game. Yeah, yeah. That, and I've learned a lot more that way versus just kind of having a uh, rooting interest in it, and it's, it's expanded how I look at the game. And yeah. Chris, as far as uh, anybody else is concerned, I, the only other player I had a question about that I was, I, I'm kind of, I'm not gonna lie, if he's around too, it's just such a sustained draft, and I'm, the anticipation for it, Jacob Berry out of LSU, because, again, that also fits Tiger's motif. Definitely. SEC, big bat. We saw this with Daniel Cabrera. What what about Jacob Berry that stands out a little bit versus somebody like Cabrera, who, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of an underwhelming pick for myself for the Tigers, and he has not been able to perform as of yet. Yeah, definitely a much stronger player than Daniel Cabrera. I love Daniel Cabrera. I thought he was going to hit. I'm really surprised that he hasn't hit. Um, But... Jacob Berry is just, it's all polish. It's all, you know, it's, it's a high floor. It's a guy that's definitely going to hit. It's a guy that, you know, if there's a hitter in this class that has a shot at being a big leaguer in 2023, it's Jacob Berry. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I, listen, we're not as high on Berry as everyone else is. I think we've got him as kind of the 15th or 16th best prospect. And that's mostly because I think he's going to have a really hard time finding a defensive home. And I don't draft designated hitters and you've already got Spencer Torkelson at first base. So I'd, I'd really be kind of, you know, apprehensive on that. And Detroit's got a mammoth outfield. And so I would not want to put him out there either, but yeah, I think there's a lot of safety in Jacob Berry. I think he's a guy that's going to hit 275. He's going to hit 18 to 24 home runs um, might run into a couple all-star games, but he's never going to flash. He's never going to kind of have that star upside uh, that some of these other players do. And, and then the last player I was interested in asking about is just, uh, it- I think you touched on him earlier, but it's, it seems like a guy who was 
viewed as like a top five pick, and then you know for sure a top ten pick, and now nobody's really sure. And it's Chase Young. Um, you know, he's viewed like one of the better hitters in the draft, but he seems to be sliding down lately. Say the name one more time. You broke up really quick. Oh, Jace Young. Sorry. Jace Young. So yeah, it's another it's another situation where he's just kind of positionless. You know, he's a fringy second baseman. He's a fringy third baseman. He doesn't have a great throwing arm. So you put him at third base. There's a little bit of a liability on, you know, coming in on balls or going to his right. Um, and he kind of slowed down towards the end of the season. Uh, he didn't really carry his momentum through the end of the year. So the, the last four or five weeks of the season. So um, I think if you would have asked me in you know, middle of May, it would have been like, all right, this guy's a surefire top six, seven, eight pick. And just with how he kind of, I guess, coasted to the end of the year, he's probably now like a top 15 guy. But again, kind of built in that same Jacob Berry archetype where he makes good swing decisions. He impacts the baseball. Um, he's probably going to move pretty quick. It's just we don't know where he's going to play. As a kind of like, was it Euclid's kind of swing to him with the way he grips the bat like that? It's it's a weird. It's it's he almost he like he like lays it back. It's not really really high. It's like it's at his shoulders and he like lays it back. I I, I mean it's almost like Eric Davis but like out to the side or even like Mickey Telton. There, there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you like go. that. Except yeah, that's just exactly. Very as soon as I saw it, but it's more. It's more upright though, comparatively speaking. But yeah, it is something that. It looks like he gets a lot more barrel on the ball from my from, from what I can see. And so, yeah, I mean, the kind of this crazy thing is, I mean, he starts like here, but and you'd think he has to get here to get coiled and wrapped, but he doesn't. He kind of gets here and his hands stay here. And so his path to the ball is actually much shorter than you would think. And that's kind of what allows him to put the ball in play with such uh, consistency. Yeah, just uh, um. His brother, I think his brother is, or he has more power than his brother, right? Who was drafted by the definitely. Rangers, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. His brother's a better athlete. I, I think his brother's probably just an average third baseman. But um, his brother being drafted where he was and succeeding, I know he's been hurt like for the last two years, but his brother succeeding at the big league level has only helped Jace's profile because it's kind of one of those bloodlines things. I, I was just talking to, to Roger about that uh, yesterday or whatever. You know, the, the, the questions with uh, Jace or, uh, Josh were like, hey, you know, can he can he turn on the ball more? Can he hit like because it was like power of the opposite field and, and he's learned how to do that a little bit better. And people were like, Yeah, it's definitely uh, you know, the defense is a little questionable. Like, yeah, he, he can handle third now. So you do take things like that, like, like, hey, you know, maybe these guys have the makeup to understand their weaknesses and get better. But it, when I look at Jace Young, I, I see kind of a thick lower half that maybe there's not a whole lot he can do about. Yeah, I kind of wonder whether or not Jace Young's body is going to be rebuilt, I guess, at the pro level. He is thick on the lower half, and Josh was a little bit thicker too, and they've really got him pretty cut now. Um, again, I know he's been hurt, so we haven't really been able to see it over the last two years, but I do want to see what Jace Young ends up looking like after he's a year and a half into pro ball, because he might be a totally different player. Yeah. Yeah, and the the last question did we Chris did we ask this question? I, th I don't think we did. The and this came from our Facebook group. Since the crop of college arms is not very good in this draft, should the Tigers stay away completely from college pitchers, or should they reach to get the guy they want? So that's a good question, and I actually I think the most value can be found in this class in the college pitchers because you're talking about guys that have been docked pretty hard for injuries and for lack of innings. So I mean. 
Connor Prelip might be able to be had at 12, and he was a potential number one overall pick 18 months ago. Blade Tidwell might be able to be had at 35, and he was a potential top five pick coming into the season before his shoulder started bugging him. Uh, Kamar Rocker, he could have been the number one pick last year. Shoulder injury, now he might go outside of the first round. We really don't know where he's going to end up. And there's a number of these guys. I mean, I think Peyton Pallette would have been a top 20 pick. He's going to be in the top 50 now. Um, Reggie Crawford, a lefty that throws 102? I mean, come on. Like, that's insane. And he might be available after the first round. So there's a lot of those guys. And I think while there's more risk, there's also a there's also a pretty decent chance of landing like a front of the rotation starting pitcher at a point in the draft when you never would have had a shot at that um, like in a normal year. So I'll say this to, to Tigers fans. If, if you end up drafting an injured college pitcher at 12 or at 51 or wherever their pick is, I wouldn't write it off because you might be getting a top five talent that slipped to you in a weird year. And I think Tiger fans will be fine with that, especially the way the development has been under Chris Fetter, under the uh, – uh, what's the guy's name, Chris? I'm drawing a blank now. The, uh, Gabe, Gabe Rivas. Yeah, Gabe Rivas has done a really good job with that. So, And let me say this. Let, let me say one other thing because sure. I think this is a bit of a mis – I think there's a misconception in this class with the hitters, specifically the college hitters. Um, everyone likes to say college hitters are like the closest thing to, to – development and like and working out and they're the safest pick blah 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 every single one of these college bats in a good draft year uh would probably be closer to the 20 to 50 range the guys that we're talking about going early like 20 to 50 range um gavin cross has holes in his swing jace young less so has holes in his swing and outside of those two and, and zach netto zach netto doesn't have a hole in his swing outside of those three Every other hitter in this class has a big, uh, a significant red flag uh, in front of them with their development, whether that be hitting a breaking ball, whether that be hitting 95 plus. All of these guys are nothing close to sure things. So I would feel great about Jace Young if you're in Detroit, because I do think he's got the highest floor or Jacob Berry. I would feel pretty excited about Neto. I would feel pretty excited about Gavin Cross. But none of these guys are sure things. Like none of these guys are Torkelson or Adley or even Austin Martin. Austin Martin had better metrics. Um, so just I would just say keep that in mind. Um, it this will all boil down to how Detroit develops that player, and um, you know you can subscribe to you can subscribe to whatever position you want in terms of what Detroit's good at. I think they're good at developing uh, college pitching. Personally, it's just yes they've had trouble with injuries, and you can't plan for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I had one, one quick logistical question with Reggie Crawford. If he gets drafted, is he drafted from Tennessee or from UConn? That's a good question. I, I, it's a really it's good question. Be UConn still, right? because, I would because, think UConn because I don't think he's enrolled at the University yeah. of Tennessee yet. And that'll happen in August. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like being committed to a school then. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like Dylan, like it, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Dylan, Dylan Lesko is not coming from Vanderbilt. Yeah. So. Oh, but that's about it. In terms of, yeah, the, the development for the pitching is something that the Tigers, for the first time, as I can remember, are able to develop consistently. I mean, we saw that with Bo Brisky. We're seeing that with Garrett Hill. And the lower rounds have paid off. So, Joe, you got the next mock draft coming out tomorrow. What else are you guys doing this weekend? How big is your coverage? Because every year, Prospects Live gets bigger and better. 
what are you guys doing for the draft on Sunday? So for the draft on Sunday, we're actually dialing it back a little bit this year. I have to be in a I have to be in a wedding this weekend. So uh, Ooh, the commitment oh no. that I have, it's not during the draft. It was oh, just but, uh, hashtag bridegroom. Hashtag yeah. draft uh, back in June. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so we're gonna do a Twitter Spaces. We're gonna be able to answer everybody's questions and uh, do live commentary on on Twitter. But uh, we won't be doing a live YouTube show like we did last year. That'll come back next year. But definitely keep your eyes out on Prospects Live uh, for like week and a half immediately following up after that because we're gonna have so many videos and articles recapping the draft and winners and losers and um, best fits and all of these things. And so those will be coming out soon. Right. So. If you see any video on Twitter and doesn't have the Prospects Live brand, I guarantee you they took it off because everything out there, ninety percent of the video out there is Prospect Live. So do not try to rip nobody it off. Nobody covers it better, yeah. And nobody covers it better than you guys. You guys do fantastic work, and thank you for taking the time this afternoon to join us. And again, um, you go to prospectslive.com, go check out the content, and if you want extra content, the, the Patreon is well worth the price. Thanks, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, shout out to Tyler and Ian and Will and Brian and Brandon. And I mean, the list goes to Jackson. All of these guys go out and get incredible film uh, every single week. I'm just kind of the messenger. <laughs> yeah, uh, Trevor has done a really good job. All these guys. Yeah. Tyler's a fantastic host. Uh, Reese, with, yeah, Reese, yeah Re- those guys are fantastic. And they, and they really, really know their, their stuff. And I've learned quite a bit from it uh, in my time there. So, Joe, thanks again for your time. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Joe. Let's see here.